Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook, and it is another awesome day for another awesome episode of how to become next on scene in your field of business or in your passion. Now, before I bring on my two amazing rock star guests today, who happen to also be on my latest magazine cover of Next on Scene, I want to share some marketing tip advice and also some self-care tips to get you started for the week. So now that we are in April and the weather is starting to get nicer, especially on the East Coast, um, I really want to inspire you all, even on the West Coast and wherever you're listening in from today, to show up for yourself. Now, this is, um, I guess this is kind of self-care too, but I really believe that when you show up for yourself, you attract amazing things into your life. The things that scare us the most are the things that we need to push ourselves to do more. And sometimes what's uncomfortable is what's needed to be done to grow. Um, So that means, you know, doing a lifestyle branding shoot, as I always talk about, I mean, that it's so, so important. Do it, do it, do it. You know, put pictures of yourself in your content. Sometimes even if it's a selfie, you are getting your stuff out there. I mean, I wouldn't push doing selfies all the time at all because I think they are more like real-time audience. And I really believe now like your social media platforms, your emails, your stuff like that are really more portfolio-based. It's kind of like your new resume. So if you're going to do selfies, I would suggest doing it more on your stories. But if you don't have any professional photos yet, at least do something in the meantime to get yourself in the content. People will be really excited to see you. And you will be so surprised with the response of like, oh my God, Kelly's showing up. Today, you know, like go Kelly. This is so exciting. All we do is see pictures of all the things that you do, but we never see you. So, um, I just really want to talk about the importance of that because when you don't show up for yourself, somebody else is taking your business because you're not showing up. So, I'm just really all about showing up for yourself. And it's really relative to my podcast and magazine, this issue, because, you know, the pandemic really has left many of us across the world, you know, really consolidated and closed in and lonely um, in our homes. And if we weren't showing up online and if we weren't showing up in different areas and aspects of our business, our competition was taking our business. So just make sure to really invest in yourself this year, put yourself out there, do things that are uncomfortable. And that's where the growth happens. You know, like I really, really believe that. And I think sometimes the things that scare us the most are the things that we need to do the most because that's the only way to grow. It's how I started my business. You know, like I moved to a new state and I didn't know anyone. And I started a podcast from my guest room closet and it has totally transformed everything that I'm doing now. So because I pushed myself out of my comfort and went to these networking events, not knowing anyone and doing all of these things that were totally uncomfortable, I've gotten to the place I am today. So if I can teach you to do the same, like, please, please do that. Do one thing this week that makes you feel uncomfortable, but in a really good way that like lights a fire under your ass. So like, this is the time to get it done. So I think that kind of goes with self-care too this week. So really nurture your needs and push yourself forward Um, because I think that's the only way that you are going to release what no longer serves you. This is for new beginnings. 2021 is all about releasing what's no longer serving you, you know, and that's so exciting to um, tie into my guest today because my two awesome guests are Zach Clark and Justin Gerland, the co-founders of Release Recovery. They are doing such amazing things for for the sober community and people in transition. Um, So I just wanted to come on and talk about 
how important it is for this year for family members and people that have connections to this. I mean, I personally can relate to this in so many areas. And so when I found everything that they stood for, I just needed to bring light to it. And I feel like mental health and sobriety is not talked about enough. And what a great time this year to really bring spotlight to that. So I want you to meet the amazing co-founders, Zach Clark and Justin Gerlin of Release Recovery. They basically founded this company to help people reclaim their lives from addiction. They both went through it themselves. And now they're bringing light and helping people and paying forward with how to create a whole new lifestyle and come out on top. And they help people from as young as 18 to in their 80s. I mean, this in this interview is so inspiring and you're going to learn so much. And if you really know somebody who could use the help and guidance and just create a safe space and community and family that has your back, like these are two guys who we'll do that for you and beyond. So I'm so excited for you to meet them both and hear our inspiring, amazing podcast. They are also celebrating four years in business um, this year. So, you know, we're all about entrepreneurship and businesses with Next On Scene. So we couldn't be more excited to have them on celebrate this amazing accomplishment. So stay tuned for the amazing Zach Clark and Justin Gerlin. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. All right, guys. Welcome back to Becoming Next On Scene. I am so excited to be here with the amazing co-founders of Release Recovery. We have the fantastic Justin Gerlin and Zach Clark. Hi, guys. How are you today? What's up, Jackie? Thanks for having us. Hey, Jackie. Good to see you. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you guys. And what a great time in, in life to really talk about releasing all the shit we've been through the past year um, and talk about releasing to new beginnings. So, um, first of all, congrats on your four-year anniversary. That's such an amazing accomplishment. Um, Zach, because you have the mic first, we'll start with you. Can you start and tell us about how you and Justin met? Thank you. Four years flew by, first of all. And uh, I don't know, I'm just grateful to be sitting next to Justin and talking to you. We're so prideful about this work. I think um, my recollection of how we met might be different than Justin, so I'm curious to hear what he has to say about this one. (laughs) But for me, you know what, like I, I, I got sober a little bit after Justin and I moved to New York City uh, almost 10 years ago. And, you know, I was trying to hook up with guys that you know looked like me and sounded like me and whatever else in this, this journey of recovery. Um, I was newly sober and we had a friend in common who kind of took my hand and put my hand in Justin's hand and said, like, you know, follow this guy. And so... That was uh, a Thursday night that I still remember vividly. Uh, we went out for burgers that night at a place called Burger Heaven on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And we have not looked back since. I mean, honestly, the relationship started that night. And I don't think there's been one day where we probably haven't been in touch since. So Thursday night having burgers sounds pretty memorable. <laughs> what do you say about that, Justin? I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that. I mean, that was almost 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Talk about time flies. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes people just click. 
you know, and uh, I don't I don't know if we fully realized it at the time what was what was happening, but uh, being able to have the opportunity to like think about it and recollect and like the ups and downs that like we've gone through together, kind of side by side, shoulder to shoulder, last ten years is really remarkable and, and special. Love it. Yeah. So inspiring and that you guys are now started a business together in four years celebrating. So tell us how Release Recovery came about. Justin. Sure. Yeah. Um, so not long after we met, we started working together at a similar organization. We were both, I, I had been in the field uh, for a couple of years at that point. I had, I had uh, gotten my master's in social work and I had like, when I got sober at 25, I, I had a calling and I just felt like something that I really wanted to do. And I was given a, a few opportunities and then um, I was at in at the ground level of this other organization, and Zach came in, and we were there for five years. We helped build that program for five years, and we were really the face of it, although we didn't own it. And then over the series of a series of many conversations, we um, we knew we wanted to leave and start our own thing, and we had the name Release, which is uh, named after Pearl Jam song. I was waiting for that answer. <laughs> yeah, which we're very proud about, and we're not shy about it at all. Uh, and in in around. The holiday season in 2016, we both left and um, we wanted to start it. And we didn't really know what that meant at the time. We just knew we had a dream and we had kind of a blank sheet of paper and what it wanted to, what what it was going to look like was really anybody's guess. And uh, this property, this house in Yorktown Heights, right here in Westchester, landed in our lap in just a divine way. And we went, we looked at it, fell in love. And we just kept taking the next right action. What's been built around us has been nothing short of incredible. Nothing, you know, we had stuff that we wanted to do. We knew what we didn't want to do because we had some less than good experiences from a previous employer that we wanted to get away from. And uh, we just trusted the process. And we've seen amazing things happen over the last four years with uh, people really getting better and families really getting better. And we're actually on the way here. One of our first clients called me yesterday. He's having a baby. And we were saying this is our first client that's having a baby so it's like now this new generation of release is like coming into the world it's that's cool. amazing yeah that shows the value of your work it's so inspiring you know so pass it to zach i want to follow up on this question so well now that you guys like going into building a business like what went into that process in terms of you guys breaking off and like having the courage to be like okay we're, we're jumping on this like what sort of mindset advice do you have to people that are in that situation of corporate and like want to break off and go on their own. You know, the, the thought that comes to mind when you ask that question um, is kind of like this idea that you always bet on yourself, right? Like you always bet on yourself. And that's for me, something that I've learned to do. And, and like, you know, we all have, we all have voices inside our heads. At least I, at least I do. Like I do not enough. <laughs> yes. Definitely do. Yes. You're not enough. Yeah. This is going to fail. You, you immediately think about what could go wrong. And the thing I kind of always think about, um, because we have, employees now that work for us and they'll come to us and say they're leaving to go start their own, you know, recovery business. And we've really taken a great deal of pride in like supporting them in that. You know, when I think of like the NFL, I'm a huge sports guy, right? When you see a head coach uh, watch one of his coordinators leave, there's kind of two things that happen. One is that coordinator leaves and there's bad blood and they never talk again. Or, you know, that coordinator leaves and the head coach gives them his blessing and they go on to have a head coaching career and hopefully a successful one. And then they have this beautiful coaching tree and they've won all these games and Super Bowls and whatever else. So um, I think for us, we had both gotten to a point where we really felt like we had something more to offer. We knew it intuitively. 
obviously there was a lot of fear because it was going to be new and, 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 you know, there's a lot of unknown. We had spent five years kind of operating in the city where we've, we've re-entered that market, but we made the decision to actually leave that market after being there for five years and all of our colleagues and, and, and all of our experience there and come out to Westchester and purchase this real estate and really have to go through the process of, um, dealing with the town and, and then not being comfortable with us being there and the stigma associated with addicts and alcoholics. And so we learned a lot in, in, in those early days. And I think it, it hardened us for everything that comes our way today. And like, you know, one of the things my old man taught me, uh, he's a pretty successful businessman himself. And he said like, you know, the decisions that you really need to think about are the ones that you can't reverse, Right. You're going to make a lot of decisions, and even in hiring. You know, we'll agonize over hiring someone and bringing on a new salary. And that's reversible, right? Like, that's not going to crush your business. So we've just grown in our um, partnership and our understanding of each other. We, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. So um, I don't know. For those people who are looking to go out on their own, like, there's nothing better than, than, than having your own shop. You know, Being your own boss at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Pass the dress, and I have a follow-up question. Well, I just, so, yeah, I just want to... I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to our fathers. So my dad, Keith, and Zach's dad, Doug, have really been advisors uh, and mentors for us through this process. And so we have we have no shame in asking for help, you know, admitting when we don't know how to do something. This is all you know, this stuff is really new. Mm-hmm. Um, and having your people around you and, and taking that mentality into building your team has been crucial. Because we have people now that are it's family. We, when someone enters into our world, we really consider them family, whether it's our, our employees or our, or our clients or you know, their extended families. The ripple effect goes, goes very deep. I love that. And there's so many parts to even having a business. So, like, would you be open to sharing both of your strengths and how you split up the business and weaknesses? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we're the ultimate yin and yang. From the time that we met, we've never split a check at dinner and when we're out doing something. I'll pay, he'll pay. Routine. It's yeah. ne- it's net. We never put two credit cards on the table ever once, ever. Not exaggerated. I think it'd be very difficult, if not impossible, to go through all of those purchases. But I would say they're within a couple dollars. So we have been from from the inception of our relationship so even. And yin and yang is really the perfect way to explain it because things that upset Zach, I'm the opposite with. Things that upset with me, he's the opposite with. And there's it's really. No other way to describe it. It's been it's been very very balanced, and um, we don't have a problem asking each other for help. We don't have a problem stepping up to take care of something. We have no problem, you know, um, apologizing when maybe the other one has misstepped uh, in certain situations, uh, and that's something that I don't think can be taught or learned. It was it was really been very lucky in that regard. Totally. And you guys were saying earlier you have like forty employees. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So inspiring. I, I think that Justin, the thing Justin's failing to mention is Justin's a hippie and I'm a jock. And that's, and that's, <laughs> that's really what I was waiting yeah, that, for. That, that's that. like, that's come a- on. That's like, <laughs> Justin like grew up his, 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 first of all, I am a fifth child in his family. His parents are our second parents mine. And all four of his siblings are JG after Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead. And he just named his firstborn Jerry. I so heard. Like, <laughs> Love that. You know, like he grew up with his dad, just like ejected into his veins. And so, um, you know, and I'm a guy that like played football, basketball, baseball. And like, like I would tell you that I, I laugh in that analogy or in that description, but 
it's true, you know, and, and, and I'll say like we've both matured, right, throughout our careers and the things that used to bother us just don't anymore. Um, you learn what's really important in life so and that true. just comes with age. Uh, you know, 28, 29 year old Zach would have really adverse reactions to some situations that today I, I don't even give two, two, two thoughts about yeah, it, right? So, um, but like Justin is really like a calming force within our organization and I think for the most part, employees and clients feel really safe with him, you know, and that's just a testament to who he is. Uh, we joke. I call him Rabbi Gerland because he's just such a <laughs> spiritually centered man. And I'm a half you, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and for me, like, you know, I have a little bit of uh, like fight for what's right inside of me. And like, I don't like when people are taken advantage of and I don't like bullying. So I will want to push back in some situations, but I think that's also part of what makes me great, you know, is like that ability to, like, I want to win, you know, like that's, that's inside of me. And as it, as it comes down to like business, like I want to win obviously and have a successful business, but I want to win by watching our clients succeed. And so. Well, just like Justin was saying, now one of them is having a baby. That's a win. That's like an amazing win. Yeah. So, so inspiring. Okay. How has your business been affected by the pandemic and how have you pivoted since the pandemic? Look, it's been, there's kind of two ways to answer this question. One is from our client's perspective. My heart breaks for, for these men and women who are getting sober right now because they are, there are certain elements of the recovery process that is being taken away from them. So much of recovery is community. And while we're able to you know, give them that within the confines of our homes, uh, they haven't been able to go out into the world and go to, you know, 12 step meetings or, or other support groups. Um, which is really, it sucks. It sucks for them. So we've had to adapt and bring in Zoom and some other technologies to help them get connected. For the business as a whole, you know, we did okay. We did okay. We got we got through last year um, and we were very fortunate. And, and kind of like the thing that's happened is I think our length of stay has increased because while not as many people might be calling, clients that do come under our care are staying longer because there's no real alternative. You know, people aren't, moving back to the city or moving right. with, 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 because it's just people are living with their families right now. So they're coming to us and I think they're realizing like, wow, I can live with 10, 12, 14 other people and have this built in camaraderie and I don't want to leave this. Um, so it's been okay. Awesome. We've also been really smart. We, like most people, when this pandemic thing was starting, we were like, you know, we didn't believe the hype. We didn't really understand what's going on. I don't think anybody did, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Of course. Two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah. Um, Week 52. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, so we were, once we put our heads together and we said, oh, oh man, like, we got to take this seriously. We did, a, we did our part. And I'm really, really, really proud of that because everyone stayed safe. Uh, everyone stayed healthy. And we didn't cut one hour of our employees' time. And, you know, they all showed up in amazing way and they knew what they were signing up for so we did a with the opportunity to be on a panel um for a webinar the other day and we we're just talking about like anybody that got sober from let's say march 1st 2020 on this is what they know and this is this is life this, so is, this is sobriety and so we have been very fortunate that although we wouldn't <laughs> we obviously wouldn't choose this path of, of, of you know, covid pandemic world being upside down all the unbelievable death toll and all this horrible we hate it um we've, i think we've made the best of it in the situation um, we're going to continue to roll with it people in recovery are unbelievably resilient people 
such a good word for that. Yeah, we really are. We roll with it because this is what our, our well, lives. You kind of have to. You have to. This is it. No, this, no option. <laughs> this is what you got to do. Yeah, and uh, this too shall pass. It's kind of been our, our motto. We're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna get through this. It's go. We're gonna look back on this, and we're gonna look back on this, and we're gonna do this together. I love that. Yeah. All right, hold the mic still, and then we'll go back to Zach. Sure. So, can you share your first memory that you remember that you needed to seek help, and when was like when was the right time to like take that step for you? Sure. That's such an interesting question because I didn't, for a long time, I didn't know what help meant. I didn't really understand uh, how to get help, who to talk to. As I was saying earlier, my parents were really cool. They're the most loving, unbelievable people on earth, truly. You know, my mom is she's, she's the nicest person on planet earth. I would put her up against anybody. But I, I didn't know that I could go to them. So I had a couple opportunities, a couple times in college where I was like feeling a little um, uncomfortable. It was really, I was, I was out there. It was okay out there. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't know a single sober person. Um, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know what, what AA was. I didn't know what, what treatment was. I didn't know what therapy was. And then I had a friend that died of an overdose. Uh, I think I was 19, and it was the first real casualty. But it wasn't a wake up call. For but it was, it, it, it planted something in my brain. And, uh, my sister, Julie, actually, um, she's two years younger than me. She, she knew what was going on with me. She, she had kind of taught me a couple times, but never said anything. And then she was the one who really put me in the position to say, I can't take this anymore. She confronted me once and she gave me the, the, the uh, opportunity to say something myself. And I never did. And then she finally got in my face and said, I'm, not doing this. Did you say something today or, or I'm going to? And that was, um, it was like two days after my 25th birthday, 13 years ago. And I, she took my hand and she brought me, um, to go in, into my dad's office. We were both working in his office at the time. And he's, uh, he's a doctor and he was with a patient and I, and I and he turns around and he's been crying. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. He's like, what's going on here? You know, something happened to my mom, something happened to my grandmother, you know? So, Somebody to talk to you, drop what he was doing in his, his office. And he said, What was the matter? I had said these words that I think I'd been waiting to say a really long time, but I just I, I, I didn't have the language. I didn't know that I could. And um, he was about to explode. He, was, he, was, he didn't take it well for, for the first couple of minutes. And I just kind of grabbed him by his white doctor coat and I just said, oh, I need your help. I really need your help. And like the energy in the room just like went down and said, All right, let's do this. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where my journey started, but part of the inspiration for what we do on a daily basis was that conversation, because even as a doctor and somebody with, with friends and he's well connected, and he's incredibly smart, you know, he didn't know who to call. He didn't know what to do. And so they, they threw me in this facility temporarily to like get clean and figured out and was able to start making some phone calls. But, you know, I think the landscape of the treatment world is a little bit different then. We've got resources and people are able to access our phone number and that's what drives us every single day and that's what keeps our ringer on throughout the night and you know answering emails all day like families they need support totally. and, and i had the experience of my parents know what to do um you know my i got sober that you know, january 29th uh 2008 and that's my sobriety date and it's been amazing congratulations thanks. by the way that's yeah, a big deal you. It's been, it's been a journey ever since. It's been a lot of ups and downs during that time, obviously. But it's, it's, 
it's all a journey for everyone, yeah. no matter what ride you're on, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love that. Thank you for sharing. Zach, would you love to share your story as well? You want to hear it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, it's, uh, you know, I think for me, like, especially I remember in, in, in early recovery, like, I would get I would get high off hearing the stories, right? Like, I'd want to hear the next one. i want to hear the next one. And uh, you get tired of hearing it. You know, like, and, I, and I'm very open about, obviously, my, my story. For me, I, I don't think I ever, like, to answer the question, I don't think, I don't think I ever got to the point where I knew it was time to seek help. Like, I really think the universe intervened. You know, I, like Justin, have that moment of clarity, which we kind of refer to those moments as. And for me, it took place, I've told this story a thousand times. I mean, I was, I was basically, you know, doing every drug under the sun. And uh, it didn't matter what. It was the why. Like, I was just trying to get away, you know, and, and turn off my mind and control something in my life. And I ended up on a Saturday morning down at this bank in Camden, New Jersey, trying to cash a check. It wasn't mine. It was my dad's. And I had no intention of just quitting on that day. I had no intention of stopping. In our world, we kind of talk about, like, when you're in the middle of this thing, individuals will try to, like, you know, trade wine for beer, or wine for hard alcohol, or I'm just going to smoke pot now. And still think like, it's like, okay. You know, right. like, you kind of like do this thing, you try to manage it. I never did that. Like, I was just always going 100 miles per hour. For me, what happened was, you know, that bank teller knew something was up. She called my dad, whose check I had, trying to cash. My dad, like, you don't believe in God, universe spirituality, whatever it is for you. Like this story for me is, is all you need to know. Like my dad was at his office on a Saturday morning. He doesn't work on Saturdays. The phone rang on his office line, which he typically wouldn't even answer on a Saturday morning. It was an unknown phone number. Like the list goes on and on why he shouldn't have picked up that phone, why he shouldn't have been there in the moment, but he was, you know, that's the point of the story. Something else was watching after our family that day. He picked up the phone, he got the party bolted down to the bank and he came through those doors and he put his arm on my arm and said, son, we're going home. I didn't know what home meant. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't put my hand up and ask for help, but I saw the look on my old man's face, you know, and I knew in that moment that something had to change because I was going to kill him. I wasn't going to die. I would have been resilient as hell. You know, I would have kept ripping and running as long as I could have. The word of the day, start, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was, it doesn't say. I was going to kill the people around me. Mm-hmm. And I love my father, so I saw it in that moment. And, uh, you know, like Justin, I was in treatment a couple of days later, and I ended up staying in that treatment center for, for a good little while. And then I ended up moving to New York City, which in itself is a crazy thing because, like, I'm a Philly guy. I always hated New York. I was always told that New York like smelled bad, it was expensive, and the people were mean, like all these things that like you think subway and the rats and like you know sports teams, like everything. I hated it all, but I ended up there, and, and it's like it's my safe place now. I don't think I'll ever leave. So <laughs> crazy the way the world works. It reminds me about right, the month or a few weeks before I got ultimately got sober, just to speak to like the divine nature of how this all stuff, all this works. I read Godfather book, right? I've always been a fan of the movie, huge fan, and I finally read the book, which I loved, but I was in Australia with my family. There's this line in the book where, so for anybody that's seen the movie, assuming people that are listening to this have seen it, but Michael is going to kill 
one of the other bosses and, and the cop, and then he, and then he's leaving for Italy, like to escape, you know, so he doesn't get get caught. Or whatever. And it's a very famous scene in the movie. But the night before this, this the night before the book, the scene's not even in the movie. He's having dinner with his girlfriend Kay uh, in a hotel. He knows what he's about to do the next day. She's just having her dinner, none the wiser. And he's sitting there thinking, like, if she knew the weight, the gravity of like what is about to happen tomorrow, it would be too much for her to handle. Her, her boyfriend, fiance, whatever he is, is, is about to kill tomorrow and then disappear for five years. You know? And so I read that line and it obviously stuck out to me because I, I remembered it very vividly, but it, it made the next several weeks up until like day that I, I ultimately got sober even more meaningful. Like, I knew that it was my last couple of weeks living this life, the way I've been living for previous years. It, it would have been too much. So you never know when the stars are going to line up just the right way for you to have this opportunity. And the window, truthfully, is very, very small. You don't, don't always have this. And that's why we really believe that recovery is a gift. I mean, I, I just, I think it's so inspiring that you created what you were missing almost. It's like you found this like niche of like what you thought, what you needed, honestly, what you needed. And now you're giving people a safe place, which I think is awesome. So great story shares. All right. So um, would you guys be open to share a goal for the release recovery over the next year? Yeah. I mean, look, when we started out on this thing, we, we just, we wanted to help as many people as possible. Part of what motivates Justin and myself is, you know, we've worked in a market for, for the you know, nine plus years of our career, that has typically been, we work with families that can afford our services. I don't know how else to put it. Like we work in a private pay, kind of like the top 10% of the world is typically our clientele, people that can really afford the services that we provide. And it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's disheartening because there's a lot of people out there that don't have the same opportunity as our clients do to get the help that they need. So one of the things that we've done recently, um, at the beginning, right before COVID hit, actually, we, we, we finalized our 501 and we, we launched our nonprofit, which is the Police Recovery Foundation. Um, and we've been able to uh, raise a good amount of money recently through um, a t-shirt fundraiser that we did. And our goal with that is to really provide scholarships for people that can't afford it. So awesome. to, to start to get back to populations that we haven't been able to serve it's time it's time for me personally i just i got to a point where you know my core knew it was time i think justin would say the same thing um you know and then outside of that with the with the organization as a whole we got some cool stuff going on like we keep trying to keep up with uh technology like we're in development of an app right now that we think is going to really be beneficial to people who are trying to uh maintain their sobriety early on and then just, um, you know, continuing to grow our team. I think it would, we'd be remiss not to mention, you know, it's beautiful helping people. But the other thing that really gets me off is like watching our staff grow and watching them, you know, uh, turn into leaders and managers and watching us learn to dish responsibility because finally, like, we trust these other people to take on some of the things. That hard to let go Right. Especially so, when you're starting. Right. Um, so true. You know, and personally, for myself and Justin, like we're at different stages in our lives. Like we're we're not 27 anymore. You know, so really learning how to work smarter and do some things more efficiently has been a challenge recently. But we're getting through it. Next, you know, we're we're so trained to live a day at a time, so it's hard to really project, especially with with the unknown 
state of, of everything. I think a goal is to really just be available, be open, continue to have our reach, get to as many people that need our help as possible. You know, it's, it's as simple as, as I probably make it. This app that Zach mentioned is really exciting. I'm a very superstitious person, so like I'm not hesitant to like really. You don't have to share all the deets. Just yeah. it's exciting that it's launching. It's, you know? it's, hap- it's definitely it's happening. Totally. It's definitely happening. And we want to just we want to continue to move forward. We definitely are not the kind of people that are comfortable just sitting still. Totally. Now, can you talk to you about like why you separate men and women, and where are your locations? Sure. So our original location is in Yorktown Heights, which is. A Northern Westchester County uh, is a three-acre property with uh, three structures on the property. It's a main house, a cottage, and a back apartment, which fits 17 people. Um, it's really a very special place. So obviously to us, we're biased, but it, it really is. There's something about it. It's really amazing. Our second place that we opened, our second property that we opened is in the Upper East Side, and that's for women. It's a beautiful townhouse near Central Park. And then our third is the second property for men in West Village. Um, it's very important to separate men and women. It's just it's a different language, really, at the end of the day, with the needs that everybody's individual needs are different. Uh, but it's very difficult to move men and women together in that regard. And we need to limit distraction as much as possible. So we're pretty liberal with getting the programs together for activities and hikes and for. for, for realistic about the fact that it's going um, to be celibate or anything like that. Right. But we, we do our part to <laughs> we do our part to keep everybody safe and it's very easy to, to to focus on something that's thoroughly unimportant. And the truth is recovery needs to be number one. It really needs to be the main focus to build your foundation. It really continues to be the most important thing hopefully in everybody's life because it, it builds that foundation from which everything else grows. Totally. Yeah. And you guys are really creating a brand behind it. So, Zach, do you want to talk more about the brands behind release and what you want to build? Yeah, with that? I can talk about that. I, I do want to just say on the gender specific thing, and, and it definitely goes worth mentioning. I think one of the beautiful things that we're seeing in our world is like we're waking up. Um, and, you know, with that, there's been, we've received calls from, you know, trans, transgender clients and people that, you know, are exploring you know, their sexuality in different ways. And, and, and we, I, I must say, like, we're in support of all that. We have some really good clinical partners in the city that are that are helping us to understand the best way to support that community as well. Um, so we're excited to, to have our eyes and ears open to all that, too. Um, and, and where appropriate, have a bed available for, for those people as well. So um, good. Thanks for adding that. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, our brand, and this just this goes back to one of the questions you asked early on about like what, what inspired release. One of the things that I, I realized, I think, early on, I, I, I love the treatment center I went to. I'm on the board there, Karen Treatment Center down in Pennsylvania, like Justin always jokes, that I root for them, like a Duke basketball fan cheers for Duke, you know, like, it's like, I'm like, let's go a bit, you know, and like, <laughs> I fucking love, because they saved my life. You know, like at the end of the day, it's like I owe everything I have to that organization and everything else that's come along with that. But the other thing I realized is that like I'm in the minority, you know, like I'm not, not everyone comes out of treatment and they're like really uh, aware of what just happened to their lives. And if anything, 
they see that logo on something, they're going to run the other direction because it reminds them of a time in their life that was really dark. And one of the things that we are really passionate about at release is um, really making this thing a lifestyle brand, you know, really bringing awareness to the fact that like getting sober is not a punishment. You know, I just had this crazy experience uh, last year where I went on this television show and like, you know, fell in love with this girl and like this whole beautiful thing happened. And like at the end of that, it came out very publicly that like I was in recovery. And my hope in that is that people who are, you know, trying to get sober or getting sober see that and like, holy shit, like I can do whatever I want to do. Right. And like for me, the way I live my life today, like no drug or alcohol is going to get me any higher than I, than I already currently am. Right. So, you know, we've talked about like sponsoring a skateboarder, you know, we've we've talked about like, you know, launching like a little apparel online. And you got your shirts now. So, you know, and, and just teaching people that like, yeah, like you define your sobriety, you define your recovery. That's not up to me to say, that's not up to Justin to say, um, whatever that is to you, that is, um, but if you want to be a part of our community and you want to live a healthy way, you want to do some cool shit, like we're here to, to do that with you, you know? So, yeah, I think that's pretty succinct. The name has many, you know, uh, Outside of program. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the driving force, but it's also there's a lot of cliched recovery words and release is nowhere near that. So to be a brand that just kind of encourages a healthy lifestyle is certainly appealing to us, you know, whether you're in recovery or not. So can you talk too about like if I am a patient or like a client, like and I and I come in, what is a day like? Sure. And I know it's different for men and women, so we can. Well, is we it tr- kind of? It, it is. We try. We try to keep it as uh, parallel as possible. Um, the big point that like we really like to get across from day one, because this gets often gets lost in the recovery process, is that a lot of people think that recovery means being abstinent or being clean, right? Doing drug tests, the breathalyzer, whatever, and. What we really try to impress upon everybody that walks through our doors, whether they're a client living with us or the parent or family member of a client, is that that is just the tip, tip, tip of the iceberg. It's important, of course, to provide safe, structured, sober living environments. So we we do the drug testing, we do the breathalyzer, we do the room searches, and all that stuff, of course. But we really want that to be procedural. What we want to show them is that recovery is, is about change. Recovery is about connection with other people. The sooner we can like help people understand that, the easier it's going to be for them. So our days are packed. We start at about eight o'clock in the morning and they end about eleven o'clock at night. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. It is great. And we've had to get very creative over the last year of like how we're gonna fill some of that time. It's a little bit more difficult in the winter because there's less not stuff. as many outdoor things you can do. Right? Yeah. Um, but we do a pretty good job of, of limiting boredom. Boredom is the enemy. So we, we keep the days very structured, very Back and we're very aware of individual needs that people need uh, for certain types of therapy or treatment or clinical work, which, which we get set up immediately, uh, introducing them to 12 step meetings and other support like that, which we are doing. Um, and you know, a, a friend of ours uh, described very succinctly something uh, recently, which was 
create a safe space of healing and know exactly what's going on with everybody else. And that's so per- put so perfectly. Because we need to know, we, we, have a, we have a full staff, but we need to know what's going on with everybody. Because if a guy is, is sitting by himself, or he's refusing to connect, or maybe he's not having dinner one night, or he's not sleeping, we need to know this. Is, we need to be able to address it right away. So, day in the life, I mean, I think part of what we what we love about what we do is every day is different. You never know what you're We are absolutely not sit behind a computer in a cubicle type of guys. And it's anybody's guess. So, it's nice when the waters are steady, but we're in the same firehouse too. Love that. We, gotta, we have to be ready when the alarm goes off. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, look, our clients are not coming to us on a winning streak, right? It's just like, that's, that's, that's a fact of what we do. And again, like, you know, 1992, I think we might've seen more cases if we were operating in that era where it was just like, you know, we had a house full of guys who were just having one winning cocktails. But as the world continues to change, you know, we're dealing with a lot of serious shit. You know, we're seeing a lot of clients that are suffering from trauma, you know, so knowing how to get them dialed into really specific clinical teams that are going to be able to address that. Um, adoption is another thing that we're seeing so much of, you know, these, these, these kids that were adopted by families and for whatever reason, they're just not comfortable in the world. So, you know, those things specifically, right, trauma, adoption, those, those types of life events or circumstances, it goes back to what Justin's saying. I think at one point our field was trying to overcomplicate this shit. Like sometimes people just need to be told that they're loved and that they're enough and that they're worth it. And we do that through our community. And there's things that we do that are super cheesy and our clients bitch about and they like try to get out of, you know. And then they look back though and they're like, thank God we did that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like it was the best thing ever. Totally. Like, you know, teaching our guys that we do this thing with the guys. <laughs> just laughing they do blind baker where basically one dude's blindfolded and the other dude's telling them what to do and they bake apple pies whatever like blindfolded you know like, and like <laughs> that's impressive like, they have to work as a team and it's just like it's the cheesiest shit of all time but like at the end of the day we have a laugh about it we learn that like all right everything's okay we also do a, a yearly or a couple times a year camping trip which for a lot of our clients is you know on paper you know a, worst nightmare possible we leave we leave the phones at camping, home camping you won't see me there right but and tell me more it is it's the best weekend of the year so cool hands down and we never miss it um and it's, it's just another opportunity to take them outside their comfort zone the other thing that's really important to mess, uh, mention is opiate epidemic which we continue to really suffer from in this country so that's something that we take extremely seriously with, with um overdose rates rates being what they are we're dying alarming numbers continue to. So we're very conscious of that. When someone's come through our door as a former opiate addict, really literally having a pulse on them to make sure that uh, that we know exactly what's going on. They have a struggle. Because it's not, you know, exactly saying it's not it's not going out and having a couple of beers regretting it. It's, it's really, really like that. Thank you for talking about that. That is really a big topic for sure. Now, what is the youngest person that's ever come in and the oldest? <laughs> We're generally 18 and up. We've taken a couple of 17-year-olds that are turning 18, which is really cool to like, you know, see them at that stage and, and trying to let them know that if we take this seriously, that they have got a advantage against the rest of the world. Um, they don't only see it, but... We got, we got clients that finish high school with us. Uh, That's so, awesome. Yeah. 
you know, the guys that are getting the QT, unfortunately, sometimes too. Listen, at least they're doing it, totally. right? Like, I'm uh, all about that. Yeah. So we, we generally cluster in the mid-20s. Uh, and then a few years ago, we had a, we had got a call from the treatment center. They said, we have something we'd like to send to you, but it's it's not it's a little outside your normal range. We said, okay, we're okay with that. We have some outliers. It was 81. Wow. I said, I'm sorry. I thought you said 81. He said, I did. But see, he's young for 81. I'm like, oh, God, you got to be kidding me. And I... We didn't know what to do, and we talked about it. And of course, we rolled the dice because, like, we always do. This guy moved in, and his personality might have been a little young for 81, but he did not look young for 81 by any stretch. And um, we got very, very close. And he, the first two weeks, he was miserable. He just, you know, he's around a bunch of 20 year old knuckleheads, and he just he didn't want to be there. And this is a person who had 20 years of sobriety at one point during his life. Wow. Um, Instead of relapsing, he almost died, really, truly. Uh, if it wasn't for his, for his housekeeper coming in early, that would be dead. Um, and that's that he got over the hump, and then five months later, we couldn't get rid of the guy. I mean, he was like, he had What this, a compliment, though. Or is this a bad thing? No, he, he said it was the best five months of his life. That's he amazing. 80, he turned 82 with us. And um, he's still in our lives. He's very, very, very important person to us. Age is just a number. That's what we learn, right? Well, he's, he's a, so anytime somebody calls, it doesn't, it, there's not a lot of 82 year olds getting sober for the first time anyway. But when they call, we, we had such an amazing success with him. So I guess we're, we're 18 and up, literally. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. No cap. That's awesome. Okay, so if I'm interested in reaching out, Zach, you want to take over? Let me know how my family can reach yeah, out and uh, how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're accessible. You know, Justin and I would probably kill me for saying this, but we're still accessible. Like, you know, we still believe that our cell phones are the most valuable way to connect. And we encourage our team to operate the same way. Go to our website, www.releaserecovery.com. Find our main number there. You'll find our email address, connect at releaserecovery.com. Connect with us that way. We're on social media, of course. Uh, Police Recovery is the handle. <laughs> and uh, our nonprofit has some uh, social media presence as well. But just reach out. If you reach out to us, we'll get to you for sure. Uh, and we're, we're here for whoever it is that uh, needs us. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about our, our, our housing and our transition living programs today, but we also... We also do quite a few interventions and safe transports and sober companionship and um, case management and outside coaching clients. And for those services, you know, we would go a little bit younger um, in our ages, but we're, we take a lot of pride in getting that first call. But Justin, when he was telling his story, like his dad, who was a doctor, didn't know where to turn, right? How sad is that? So if we can get that first call, get that family on the line and try to direct them in the right direction. That means the world to us because the reality of what's happened in our field is that there's a lot of bad players out there who run a Google search, you know, who knows what the hell is going to happen in terms of where you end up and where you land for treatment. So, you know, we've been doing this long enough now where we feel like we have a really good idea of the landscape and, you know, we're, we're, just, we're available for people. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Everybody definitely reach out to release. They are fantastic. And thank you so much for tuning in to Next On Scene. And stay tuned for who's next on scene.
the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.